the next day, I'll never forget it. I had, a, had to walk to school, by the way. And uh, as I'm walking, I thought, man, the grass is greener. The sun is brighter. And I realized that something supernatural, even as a very young man, had taken place in my life. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. So good to be with you. This is going to be an incredible show. Every show and, is an incredible I know, show. I you always tell us that. So you better deliver, Wendy. <laughs> I'm going to deliver. Yes. Actually, today's guest is a fascinating man who we've had the privilege of getting to know over the last uh, 15 oh, years. Yeah, yeah, a long time. He's a precious precious dear friend. And his story goes deep. And uh, we're, we're going to just make certain that you are paying close attention, that you're listening carefully, because many of the stories that Richard shares uh, and many of the truths that he uh, he begins to unpack are going to be very relatable for you. Yeah. I mean, stories uh, along the lines of him unpacking his breakthroughs will teach us about uh, perseverance, uh, it'll teach us about um, our levels of faith and how to level up in our faith. Well, right? and and how, how not to put, to put our, our faith, faith in, in our faith. faith. <laughs> uh, I mean, phenomenal. Uh, you you just you, towards the end of the podcast, you've got to hear that story, and then also too, just how, what happens when you walk in the anointing of what God has called you to do, and you're faithful to that, and what the outcome can be. And I love the persistence part of his life too, and and the neighbors. And that's a whole different yeah. story. So what happens when in. you are persistent oh, for God, what the breakthrough can be. So good. Well, Richard Ronson's volley is our guest today, and he was born in Washington, D.C., and now resides in Central Florida. He's considered to be one of America's foremost teaching preachers and one of the most unique singers in gospel music. He's the author of various books. He's produced several music recordings. Uh, he served as a senior pastor and uh, presently ministers in seminars and conferences throughout the United States and many countries around the world. And every once in a while, he'll even marry somebody. Yeah, well, he <laughs> yeah, you'll hear he married us. But yeah, Richard, you'll hear about his family. He comes from a very large family, and uh, you'll hear about that. And also his uh, his immediate family. They are a beautiful family that we're friends with, and we're grateful to know them. Um, but if the message of the gospel is not a true description of reality, it is not in any way truth at all. That is what Richard Ronson's volley says, and he is absolutely accurate. <laughs> but you will enjoy this podcast. So thanks so much for listening. And here we go. Well, Richard, welcome, 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 man. It is so good to have you here. Thank you for taking time to join us today. What an honor. It is my pleasure. You are two of my most favorite people in the world. Oh, and I'm, I'm delighted to join you for this occasion. I, I am hopeful that uh, that most of you who are going to catch this podcast will shift from the listening mode over to the viewing mode on YouTube. On YouTube <laughs> you have got to see this guy. <laughs> oh, okay. You look like you're on a movie set. We don't want to go there. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you know, you probably could could tell in the course of our conversation that that Richard is Italian or is it Sicilian? Both. 
Okay. <laughs> all of it. Oh, because, all of the above. And it, yeah. I was going to say, and if they tune in oh, and watch yeah. on YouTube, oh, yeah. they might think, are we interviewing the Godfather here <laughs> or what's going on here? <laughs> I got to change my image because that happens a lot. Okay. It commands, <laughs> listen, it commands authority and that gives you opportunity to preach and teach what you love to do. And we're going to talk a lot about what God has done in your ministry. You've, you've, you've traveled the country, you've traveled the world for years. And God has just anointed what you've done in such a powerful way. But I, I just want our listeners and viewers to know that uh, we have a real personal connection with Richard. Uh, and it really first started with It goes Wendy. back with me. Let's yeah. get real. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, of course, very good friends with your daughter, Michelle. But um, we have been to Israel with you guys. And you married us. Don't and forget that. I, I will not forget that. No. Oh, man. He holds us accountable, too. I'm telling you. But what I really won't the forget. The knot was tied very tight. Yes, it very was. Tight. There's yes. no untangling that one. But what I really won't forget is uh, just the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit moved through your, your writings and yeah. your book. And in that moment when I was ready to receive, it was your book that um, that just was that transition time uh, and allowed me to, to surrender and receive fully. So it was beautiful. So God you. bless you, Wendy. And hopefully we'll touch upon that as we progress yes. in this interview today. So Richard had mentioned in your bio that you come from a pretty large family and uh, with, with a pretty incredible background with your family members, so many family members in ministry, but take us back to some of the, the beginning stages of uh, your family life and your growing up years and how you came to faith in Jesus? Well, let me tell you about my mom and dad and how we came to the position, to the place where we are today. Uh, my mom and dad, of course, were born <coughs> in Italy and specifically in Sicily. Uh -huh. So at a very young age, uh, my mother uh, lost both her parents and she was orphaned. To cut to the chase and make it very brief and concise, it was an arranged marriage. They arranged for my wow, father really? to meet my mom. They were married just, she was, I think, 17 years old. Okay, I don't I just think get, I knew that. No, that's amazing. I, so what did you did you find out from your parents? Was I mean, was that was that difficult for them? Was that awkward or were they attracted to each well, other? Well, it just so like? happened that. The Lord was orchestrating this whole thing because after they were married, almost immediately, my father said to my mom, uh, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to establish our uh, relationship over there and we're going to make lots of money. And lots and so of babies, came, lots of babies too, well, 11, 11. So they came <laughs> they came to America. Let me tell you that story, because uh, a year later, my father sent for my mom, and she got on a huge ocean liner by herself, mm. just barely 18 years old, in her 17s still, actually, got on that vessel, landed at the Boston Harbor by herself. I want, wow. you, to, I want you to picture this, yeah. uh, Wendy, yeah. because uh, she was there looking out over the sea of people that are waiting for that ship to arrive, looking for a very familiar face, but there was no one. Mm -hmm. Actually, no one was there to greet her. No one was there to meet her. Wow. She didn't know what to do. She got off the ship and just began to wander around. Doesn't speak the language. No, didn't right. speak the language at right. all. 
Suddenly, another Italian walked up to her and said, excuse me, is your name Josephine? And she said, yes. She said, I only recognized you from the pictures that your husband gave to us. And of course, I've got to say at this point that mom was a very attractive woman Mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And he said, when I saw you here, I knew that you were the wife of your husband that I work with. He's not here because he misunderstood the cable. He's gone to the train station and waiting for you there. He said, but if you will get into my carriage, I will take you to where he is and you will be able to meet. Can you imagine 17, 18 year old girl getting into a strange carriage with a strange person and they started on their way. Long story short, they are approaching the train station. This will make a good movie, by the way. Uh, Yes, let's go ahead and plant that seed. I like it. So so (laughs) as they're approaching the train station, my mother sees my father. Give me a minute now. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Because it was a marvelous love story. When he saw her, they just started running toward each other. And they grabbed each other in an embrace that lasted to the extent that there were 11 children born into the Ranches Valley. Man, that is a beautiful story. That is beautiful. And I would, yes. Forgive me. For no, getting so emotional. T- why 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 is that touch, touches me? Why why does that touch you so deeply? I, because I know that God orchestrated the whole thing. I know that God was in their marriage, mm. even though it was arranged, and God led my father to decide to come. Listen, you can't imagine how many times, just about every day, I thank God for my mother. Mm. Thank God for my dad that he brought my mother here. So uh then that was their first breakthrough. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was That's mom and dad's breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. They moved into a fourplex apartment, two dwellings upstairs and two downstairs. They were on the downstairs floor of the fourplex. They didn't realize it, <clears throat> but they moved into a, a complex where the two people living above them were believers. They were Christians. Mm-hmm. So after they moved in, their names, by the way, were Luizetta and Bernardo Pacioni. Oh, wow. That yeah. is very Italian. That's the real deal right there. That is the <laughs> real deal. They weren't Irish for sure. <laughs> they would come down and actually my mom would come, would be in the apartment because dad would be working now. And uh, Luizetta would come and knock on the door and say, uh, Mrs. Ronson's Valley, may I come in and talk to you? And every day for weeks, she came, came down and began to tell my mother about Jesus Christ. Man, that's cool. That's so and, cool. And again, now this is very important for those that hmm. may be listening or looking, viewing this, this podcast. You never know what kind of an influence you're going to have upon people's lives. Hmm. And, and the fact, it, Richard, that that the neighbors uh, above just were persistent yeah. and kept sharing the truth about Jesus with your mom, right? Listen, it wasn't a one and abs- done. They were absolutely persistent. It yeah. got to the place where they would come down into my parents' apartment 
and they would have prayer meetings, if you can believe that. Mm. Wow. And I, I often said to my mother, well, what did Pop do? What did Dad do when they would come down? And sometimes they would pray till midnight. Hmm. She said, well, he had to go to work the next day, so he'd just go in the bedroom, go to sleep. When they were through, they'd leave. <laughs> and can the fact imagine? is, yeah, can you imagine? <clears throat> the fact is that Mom uh, eventually went to church, eventually gave her heart to the <laughs> Lord, <laughs> and uh, started living for God. And uh, it was not in church where she accepted Christ, by the way. Right. Louis had to led her to the Lord in the living room of her apartment. Mm, beautiful. Then she started going to church. Then later on, my dad <clears throat> came into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say more about that a little bit later on. Mm. So then they began to have children. At this point, they had four girls. And then a little boy was born, little black-haired, curly-haired boy that they named Jimmy. He was, of course, the pride of the family. Everybody loved Jimmy. And Jimmy was a special child. God used Jimmy in a special way. Mm. Because every day, if you can imagine this, my mother would bake homemade bread for the girls as they came home from school. Oh, I'd believe that, Richard. <laughs> I would believe that. And little Jimmy would would uh, sit by the window and watch and wait for the girls to come home. They came home one day, just bounded up the stairs, burst into the door. And uh, uh, mom said immediately, wash your hands quickly. We're going to eat homemade bread. So naturally, they ran upstairs, didn't even say anything to Jimmy, and uh, washed their hands, came down, and uh, just said hello to Jimmy as they were passing to go through the table to eat this homemade bread. And I'm making myself hungry just talking about it, because her homemade bread was special, trust me. <laughs> but as they gathered around the table, Mom said, come on, Jimmy, let's <clears throat> eat some homemade bread. And Jimmy didn't stir. And uh, she became frustrated. And she said, Jimmy, come now. We're getting ready to eat. And finally, she went over and looked at little Jimmy sitting in the chair, still sitting in the chair. And she recognized that something was wrong. Long story short, she took him upstairs. Before she called anything, before she called the, the doctor or the nurses or the hospital, she uh, prayed for him. But little Jimmy was lifeless. She called the pastor and then called the doctor. The doctor came over, and long story short, Jimmy died. Hmm. She lost her only son. Wow. Wow. And, and yes. And, and never, how did he pass? They don't know? Nobody knows. Wow. How old was he? Three years old. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Just, wow. just, a, just a child. So that would have put so, your mom's faith to the test and hurry well the truth is she almost lost it yeah uh, mm -hmm. i uh by the way i talked to my mom hours on end so this story could keep going mm -hmm. for a long time but uh she told me she said richard i was sitting in my my rocker one day and uh i thought i was going to lose my mind because i lost my my only child my only son and she said suddenly I asked the Lord, God, why did you take my only son? And I, I don't want anybody to misconstrue this, but I want to show you how God works. And the Lord spoke to her in her spirit 
This is what my mom told me. She said, in my spirit, I heard the Lord saying to me, you haven't been as faithful as you should have been. Don't, don't, uh, don't contaminate that because she did what she could with four kids and five kids. And uh, she said, uh, God, I make a vow to you at this moment. Whenever the church doors are open, I'm going to be there. Whenever I have the opportunity, all through the day, I'm going to pray for my children. This was mom's breakthrough moment Mm. because it revolutionized her life. She got all of the pills, all of the medication that she was taking, went into the bathroom, emptied them into the toilet, and said, that's it. And her life was forever changed. Wow. Wow. That was a real sellout. Yeah. Seriously. Total commitment. And the the commitment of, of that that uh, dedication to the Lord or rededication uh, obviously has had a ripple effect uh, with all her children. And, and that's where we want to talk about her child, Richard, Richard Ronson's volley. Um, let, let's, let's fast forward to when Richard was born and, and uh, yeah, we don't have time to go through all 11 kids. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. But I can I just don't. tell you this. I, I came into the world. I am the baby, the youngest of the family, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not, oh, but, I, but I'm, I was the youngest child. And when I came into the family, uh, I, uh, I, of course, recognized early on that all of the children, by the way, all 11 children became born-again believers. They weren't perfect, I might add, but they were born-again believers. And I learned at a very early age that mom prayed her children into the kingdom. Mm. Amen. Mm. Yeah. And that's something that everybody listening and viewing should understand. Yeah. Thank God for the church. Thank God because she lived in the word mm. and she taught her children the word, but she lived on her knees. She prayed at least three times a day for each one of her children. And, you know, as a young man, I, I was just as uh I, I was the average individual, you know, and I re- I can remember coming in after I'd been out later than I should have been. And I would come in and I would think, uh, you know, I know how to do this. I can sneak in without anybody hearing me. <laughs> and so I would take my Mom shoes knew. off. Yes, I would take my shoes off and tiptoe across the living room, not making a sound. Then all of a sudden... I would hear my name called in prayer. And mom at that moment would be praying for me. I have a feeling that mom spent more time in prayer for you than, than, than all the others. others. I just have that feeling. I don't know. <laughs> We're not going to go there, so, Todd. No, okay. But the, right. thank you for your confidence, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so you came to a place in your life where you had to own your own faith. Because it's, it's interesting. There are, there are kids who grow up in a Christian family, and they, they, they're within the context of faith all around them. But, but I also know I have even some nephews and nieces, uh, and you have to come to a place where you own your own faith. It can't mm-hmm. be mom's faith, your brother's faith. It's got to be yours. How did that happen for you? Well, the truth is that there were many times, Todd, that I would prefer to play football in the afternoon mm-hmm. rather than doing my homework. And on that particular night, it may have been a church night, and mom would gather up the kids, okay, everyone. Let's go to church. It's time to go to church. And I'd say, Mom, now listen, I didn't get my homework done, and I've got to have it ready for in the morning. She said, Richard, what were you doing all this afternoon? Well, Mom, I got involved playing ball. 
I'd always love sports. Sure. And she'd say, uh, Richard, that was your mistake. You get dressed, you go to church. So she made it I, a non-negotiable. My mom mm-hmm. made it, and that's a good way to put it, Wendy, mm-hmm. a non-negotiable factor. We had to go to church whether we wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. So I want to emphasize that because there, there are a lot of people that seem to say, well, when our kids reach a certain age, we don't want to make them do anything. She made me go to church. Mm-hmm. And you one know, of those times, I have to insert really quickly, Richard, especially because in this day and time when uh, so much church has been online due to the pandemic in the past years and, and just that uh, the way families have kind of maybe started been a little at ease with church because of, I mean, it's still church, right? But maybe it's not, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And yeah. we must never underestimate the presence of the manifest God that we serve when we go to church as a yes. community. Yes, There's nothing that will take the place of that. Mm-hmm. You can hear the word, you can enjoy the community of other people, But when you're there in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit has a way of working in your heart. And that's what happened to me. Hmm. I went to the altar that night. And as a very young person, I prayed, Lord, I'm I'm sorry for being such a big sinner. (laughs) And I repented. And I gave my life to Jesus. And I want to tell you, when I got up from praying, I looked around and I had always heard a bunch of preachers say, and a lot of evangelists uh, mentioned from the pulpit, when I got saved, everything was brighter, the grass was greener, the sun was brighter. And I, you know, I thought, well, that's just a figure of speech. It's true. When I gave my life to the Lord, everybody around me looked more beautiful than ever. Mm. The next day, I'll never forget it. I had had to walk to school, by the way. And uh, as I'm walking, I thought, man, the grass is greener. The sun is brighter. And I realized that something supernatural, even as a very young man, had taken place in my life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So that was the beginning of uh, where you ended up today, which was in ministry for all of those years. How did that get started? Uh, you, you had this brand new born again experience. You knew that you knew that you knew that you were saved and that God had a plan for your life. How did that unfold? Okay. All 11 children born of the Spirit of God, three sisters married preachers, three brother-in-laws, aside from the three that they married. Uh, well, no, I take that back. Three bro- three sisters married preachers, brother-in-law preachers. One brother-in-law married one of my sisters, who was a part of a sister trio that sang in all the churches. Hmm. And this brother-in-law was an evangelist. And so they immediately started traveling with my brother-in-law, his name was uh, his name was Lou Shike, S-H-I-K-E. When they started traveling together, I started singing too, of course. Everybody in the family did something. Hmm. Everybody in the family sang or played some kind of an instrument, except my older sister, Sarah. She was a tremendous singer, and she was one of the girls in the trio, but didn't play any kind of an instrument. And so we started traveling together. Because I could sing a little, they asked me to travel with them. During the summers, I would go and we would sing and do concerts and we would do everything. And uh, it was uh, it was an incredible experience for me as a young man. Wow! Yeah, and and you did that for so many years. I mean, how many years did you go as as a 
traveling evangelists and singing evangelists. I mean, that many, many years. And then you even took your children after you got married, you took your, your wife, your children, and you all did it as well. So how many years total? I'll get there. Okay. All right. But <laughs> I, I got to tell you this, because we, uh, one of the sisters, the oldest sister, the one that married the preacher, she started feeling bad and she just needed a break is what it amounted to. And so she left the team and I filled in. And so me and my two sisters became the trio. And we were hired on the staff as one of the largest churches in America. We opened up the service. Uh, we, we did the music. And boy, they were such enjoyable, formative years, because some of the greatest preachers in the country came through that church. Mm. And I would, I would sit up in the balcony. It was, it was an old metropolitan opera house. And I would sit up in the balcony of that church. I would listen to those preachers preach. And it absolutely provided a, a bedrock, a foundation for me yeah. to build my life upon. So eventually, and by that time, I knew that I was called to preach, even at a young age. Here I am, a young teenager now. And, and I knew that God's calling was upon my life. Uh, I, you know, I had opportunities from RCA to do recording contracts. Well, you have uh, I, the most amazing voice. Oh, um, we've had the privilege of hearing you, yeah. you sing and also preach. And um, tell yeah, me, tell me, tell, tell me, tell you more. As, tell as, you more. Well, as, 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 <laughs> as does daughter Michelle. Yes, who, absolutely. Uh, just send it to well, the, the fact is that, that God has blessed me with a talent. So when I received an offer from, do you know who Arthur Godfrey is? Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. An old timer. And he was, he mm-hmm. was the, 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 the biggest show on, on radio at that yeah. time. We went interview or, or audition for Arthur Godfrey. And, and the, the, the people came out of the studio and said, uh, don't know about the group, but the young man will hire you right now to replace Julius LaRosa wow. as the featured guest singer on the Arthur Godfrey show. They didn't know how old I was or anything. Uh, We've been talking to the executives. Amazing. We've talked to, to the Godfrey people. And uh, we, we look at you, we hear you, and we want you. And I, I said, thanks, but no thanks, because I was committed to God. Mm. Well, the last time we were, we did a concert. And a gentleman from 20th Century Fox, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. That's okay. But it's I, good. I think it's important. Yeah. Because uh, th- this gentleman walked up and said, sir, to me, as a young man, he said, how would you like to sign a contract with 20th Century Fox and do movies, recordings? Pat Boone was the idol of that age. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He said, we'll make you another Pat Boone. For the first time, I started thinking about it. I said, okay, give me one week and I'll give you a response. I went with the sisters, of course, and for one week. And of course, they were saying, Richard, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. Don't do it. But I would say, I love Pat Boone. You know, mm. I just love Pat Boone. What a, what a voice he had. He right. really had. Yeah. And I thought, my God, if I could have the platform of a Pat Boone, it would be incredible. So it was, I was toying with the idea, but God spoke to my heart and God knows better than, than we do. Not some of the time, but every time. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to that individual and said, no, thanks. Thank you, but no thanks. Yeah, wow. And I made a, I made a decision to follow the Lord and start preaching. Mm. 
Well, I want to put a pause on that for just a minute, because that is important that you're sharing the story, because there are so many temptations that we are all faced with daily that are kind of <laughs> dangling carrots, if you will, mm-hmm. like this looks exactly. really good over here, but what will it cost you? Right. And so God knew that for you and the the choice and the, the fact that you had the um, just the, the obedience to turn the other way and, and to stay locked in with the path that God has for you instead is, is just, um, uh, uh, amazing. And, and it's God honoring for sure. Well, it's been amazing to me. And I can tell you from the outset, I've lived a charmed life mm. because I traveled with my sisters. Then my brother, Dan graduated from Bible school. We traveled together as uh, a team and, uh, Dan, we preached at a church. Dan was an an incredible preacher. And when we preached at this particular church in New Orleans, they invited him. They were just losing their pastor. They invited him to become the pastor of that church. And they didn't have a good building. They didn't have a parsonage, but they had money in the bank to do both. And so Dan was thinking in his vision what could be. So he took the church and here I was, you know, I was left without a group to travel with. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll just keep traveling as a singer. So I went to sing to do a concert for a preacher friend of mine in, uh, in Panama City, Florida. And we had a weekend. And during that weekend, we had 30 people saved. And I don't know how many people that were filled full of the Holy Spirit. And so we were rejoicing, went out to eat, come back to the parsonage, and I spent the night with the pastor. And uh, I, I said goodnight to the pastor and his, his lovely wife. And uh, I, suddenly I, I come out of my room, and there's the pastor standing in the hallway with this very strange look on his face. And I said, Howard, what's wrong? He said, Richard, the Lord just spoke to me. And I said, well, what did he tell you? He told me that we should start a revival next week, Sunday through Sunday. I said, Howard, I don't preach. You know that. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I'll preach when I have to. If you feel like preaching, you can do that. But we'll just have a concert that will develop into who knows what. And that was the beginning of my ministry. Because that week, we had an incredible revival. I preached half the time without notes. I just off the cuff. Mm. I just began to preach. And uh, it was the start. And from there, another pastor called me. And from there, another pastor called him because words like that in those days spread like wildflower. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I just found myself right in the middle of an evangelistic ministry. Wow. Uh, It's amazing because God had already known you know, how he equipped you and what he had planned. And you have this beautiful voice and you're pretty much focused on music. God never took that away. He allowed you to continue to stay, you know, very impactful with your music. But on top of that, he gives you this ability to preach. And Wendy and I have heard a little bit of your preaching. You have such passion. You have such a sincere desire to help people get to the reality of who Jesus is. And just Talk for a minute about what what happens. Why did God stir that up? And why are you so impassioned to get people to that place? Well, the fact is, Todd, that uh, I spent a lot of time with pastors, preachers, and there was a lot that I didn't, it was unacceptable. Hmm. 
And I said to myself, Lord, okay, if I'm going to preach, I'm going to be sincere and I'm going to preach with a passion. And boy, there's so much that I could say about that because I, I used to go to lunch with the largest church in the county where I lived. And this was just recently, not far away. And I, I, I take the, the pastor to church and he'd, he'd look at me and he'd say, Richard, I want you to critique my ministry. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm just here to bless you. We're here to have fellowship. He said, I want you to tell me. And and finally, he just wouldn't let go. And I I, I was eating, a, I'll never forget it. I was eating a, a bowl of soup at a at a wonderful restaurant. And I put my, my spoon down and I looked at him and I said, you're serious, aren't you? He said, I am. So I said, okay, you asked for it. Here it is. I said, you're a great preacher. And as I'm talking, you know who this is. And I said, but you preach, you preach with no passion. And it floored him. What do you mean? I said, you've got a wonderful three-point sermon, but mm -hmm. you don't preach from your spirit and minister to the needs of the people. So mm. when I when I came into the ministry, that's something I, I learned early on. I'm going to preach from my heart, and I'm going to speak to the needs of the people. I'm oh, grateful, yeah. Richard, that you spoke truth into that individual because he does now. Uh, preach with great passion. I, I, and so it's beautiful. And but here's what I'll say, Richard, is um, not only are you just passionate, um, you're you're very anointed. And I and we got to witness that in in Israel when we were in the upper room and you shared a message. I'm just kind of bringing this up because it feels so fresh right now. Yeah. But you shared a message that would just it was just so powerful. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was just Holy Spirit moving through you so much so that, that a woman in the upper room that was with our group received the Holy Spirit in the upper room. I mean, it was just powerful and it's not Richard, it's, it's the Holy Spirit in you, but, but you're a willing vessel and you, you speak with a great authority and, and uh, we're just, we're just grateful that you've, you've heeded to the call because uh, it's taken you on a lot of adventures and it's allowed you to reach a lot of people for his glory. Thank you so much for your kindness. And the fact is that uh, if it were not for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have made it. Uh, you know, I've done, I've, did all of my, I've done all of my education online. I even have a, a, a PhD. I've got a, a degree on the wall in theology, mm -hmm. but I did it online. My son, Michael, as you know, who is a, a, a bona fide psychologist, mm -hmm. he looks at me and says, Dad... <laughs> Your degree doesn't count. I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said you, Mike, I did, I did it online. <laughs> well, at least you, you didn't uh, just, at least you actually worked to earn it and you didn't just go buy it. Now, look, yeah. uh, there are a lot of people when they hear your story, and by the way, we could go on and on. You have got, I mean, so many great stories. Uh, but for the sake of time, we I want to move forward a little bit. Uh, because people listening are thinking, boy, that guy's got it all together. I mean, he's, I wish I had Richard's faith. I wish I had his passion. Uh, but I want you to, to take us through uh, the events that led up to what was probably one of the, the bigger tests of your faith. This was, uh, by, and by the way, your, your family life is incredible. Your, your daughter and your son, we love them. They're very impactful in their own ministries. And you traveled the country with your wife and your two children for years and years, singing and preaching. And how in the world do you do that? I don't know. Like, how, how do you do that and still, you know, all get along when you're, when you're trying to make that work? I've got to tell you a little story about how I met my wife, because I'm 
preaching across the country now. Doors are opening just immediately. And my, my brother Dan calls and said, Rich, I need help building my house, <clears throat> building my church. <clears throat> so we went to help him build his house, build his church. And while we're driving nails during the day, we made a decision to go across the river to the West Bank of New Orleans and hold a revival. And uh, I went over there to the revival. Well, I got to I got to precede that by telling you that my older brother, Sam, was still single. Older, much older than me. He's looking for a woman, looking for a wife. And so I went to church that night and I met a very special lady. And I started talking to her. And immediately I went back the next day and I said, Sam, you know, I was a very, a very kind person because <laughs> this woman was, she was drop dead gorgeous. Uh, I'm sure. Yes, very beautiful. <laughs> and I said, Sam, I've met the woman of your dreams. Uh, he said, well, you, it, it, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say that. I, I said, I, I'm going to set it up for you. I went back to church very quickly. And after church one night, I put together, I orchestrated a group of singles, as I often did. Come on, guys, let's go get something to eat. And uh, so we went to, to eat. And everybody started leaving the restaurant that night. And it was cold, almost snowy. And uh, we got ready to leave the restaurant. We walked outside. And uh, just before we parted company, I said to this woman that was with us that night, I said, excuse me. I said, could I talk to you for just a moment? She said, certainly. So I'm there in the parking lot of the restaurant. Everyone is gone now, just me and her. And I said, look, I've got an older brother, Sam. And would you agree to go out on a date with him? Just <clears throat> nothing serious, but just go out with him. You know, I, I must tell you that at that moment, I, I tried to influence her by putting my hands on her shoulder. She had one of those mouton coats on. You know what a mouton coat is? Those um, furry coats that oh, feel like okay. a rabbit. You know? oh, okay. I did, <laughs> and I just started rubbing her shoulders. And I said, would you go out with my brother, Sam? And she had the audacity to reach up and grab me by the lapel. And she said, no, I won't go out with your brother, Sam, but I'll go out with you. There's oh. another, oh my goodness. There's another movie scene right there. <laughs> okay. That um, was my next breakthrough. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 I went to the, I went to the house the next day and said, Sam, you're not going to like this woman. It's not going to work. And long story short, we, we got married and, and just traveled all over the world. God mm. blessed our ministry, took my wife with me to Japan, to Europe, everywhere. And one day after we had built a gorgeous home on, on Merritt Island in Florida, she got down on her knees one day and she used to memorize scripture and pray every day. And when she got down on her knees... She couldn't get up. And I said, honey, what's wrong? She was in such a, she wasn't, it's not that she didn't have the strength. She just didn't know what to do to get up. Hmm. Hmm. So things neurologically, like, this, like her mind wasn't exactly connecting with exactly. her yeah, body. So I had her reevaluated. I've got to cut to the chase here because we're pushing for time. But, uh, and the doctor came back and he had a big x-ray and he said, Here's what's wrong with your wife. Hmm. She's got a hole in her brain that happened to her when she had a trauma as a child, hmm. fell. Well, she broke her collarbone when she was a, a almost a teenager. Hmm. And back in those days, they fixed her collarbone, you know, 
put her in a strap and a brace and so forth, but didn't think to, did she hit her head? And so she apparently hit her head and uh, a trauma to the head developed uh, something in her brain hmm. that continued to increase as hmm. she aged. And how, how Richard, how old was she when, when that incident first happened? When she, when it happened as a child, no, no, I'm sorry. When when she uh, was when, praying that and... day, she was on her knees and was hard getting up. All yeah. right, uh, she was probably in her seventies. But I mean, good health, everything, everything was fine. Then just all of a sudden, this thing appears. And what did the what did the, what's the first thing the two of you did after you got the doctor's report back? How did you handle that? Well, of course, we did what we would naturally do, and prayed, fasted. I have prayed for many people, Todd. Yeah. I've seen miraculous things take place all over the world. I've, I've watched people as, the, as addictions have been broken. Mm. I, I've done, I, I've, through the power of the Holy Spirit using me, but when it came to my wife, nothing happened. Mm. And I tell you, it was the most discouraging thing that ever happened. I had to back off. My first priority was not my ministry. It was my wife. So I took care of her. And let me say this right now. There's not anything that I have done or that I didn't do that I regretted in taking care of my wife. Mm. Because if I had it to do all over again, I would do exactly as I did because I knew that she was my first priority. We know the story and how you care for your wife, but those listening don't know uh, the longevity and and how you actually cared for her and what that kind of looked like. Could you paint the picture just a little bit? Because your dedication to your wife uh, really offers so much hope for somebody in the sense of 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 the the hope of of love, right? The hope of of being obedient and committed <laughs> to your marriage and and what that what that intimacy looks like in a different way sometimes. Uh, would you paint yeah. that picture a little bit? To the best of my ability, I get, can. Yeah. I get someone very, somewhat very involved uh, Yeah. Uh, because um, I didn't know how to handle it. I just, I just did not know how to handle it because she was a people person. I had to back off my ministry. I had to focus on her and didn't really know the extent of what was going on. The, the symptoms were very similar to dementia or Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. but I, I, I was not about to put her in a home. I was encouraged by preachers, just put her in a nursing home. They'll take care of her. I said, I'm not about to do that. Mm -hmm. It would be an insult for me to leave my wife. And so I took care of her the very best that I could. I, I slept with her in the same bed every night. And even though she was in bed most of the time when I crawled into bed I'd reach over and grab her hand and I'd put her hands her fingers in mine and that's how I fell asleep most nights mm -hmm. this went on for several years actually I took care of her for about 10 years 10 years Richard yeah and and I know how you know what a beautiful woman your wife was right just uh, just a knockout and you would care for her in such a way that 
you would make sure she had her makeup on every day, even though she wouldn't see anyone. You've been talking to Michelle. Uh, well, yeah. I have, I have, but you know what, Richard, it's, it's something that is so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. The love, like that makes me want to cry. Like it is so beautiful that you would um, allow her to show up each and every day. As she, didn't, super, you she know. didn't walk out of the house unless she looked like she stepped out of the boat. <laughs> right, right. And you knew how important that is for her. I wasn't going to let her. We'd go to the doctor's office and I would, I would do her makeup. I'd do her eyebrows. I bought her a, a little wig, you know, that she could yeah. just put on without yeah. having to worry about washing and fixing her hair. And I'd put her best outfit on and I'd, I'd get her hand and I'd take her to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And I was just as proud to do that. And and I'd I'd go to the doctor's office and, and uh, you know, the doctor would take her in to uh, interrogate her or just to talk, talk with her. And they'd say, now you go with this doctor because they wanted to take care of me. (laughs) Understandably. (laughs) She looks so good. Uh Understandably. And so (laughs) I I just said, listen, don't worry about me because I'm, 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 the Lord's in control. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of my wife. That's the first thing. She came out of the doctor's office one time and the doctor said, Richard, I can't do a thing with her. I'm trying to talk with her. And I said, let me talk to her for just a minute. And I looked at her right in the eyes as I'm looking at yours right now, Wendy. And I said, now, honey, you go back in that room and you talk to that doctor. And whatever she tells you to do, I want you to do exactly what she tells you to do. She went back in with the doctor. And the doctor came out and said to Richard, goodbye and thank you very much. Now, that won't work every time. (laughs) She said to me, that won't work every time. I said, well, as long as it works, I'm going to use that approach because (laughs) I was I was my I was my thinking for for my wife. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to embarrass her in any way. And I wanted to lift her up as much as I possibly could. Yeah. Until finally. When we were in bed one night, I called Michelle and she came over. My daughter, Michelle, came over. We're in the bed. I still have her hand in mine, her fingers in mine. I could tell when she was sensitive to me holding her hand. When I was holding her that night, I realized she was she was losing strength in that hand. So I called Michelle in and I said, Michelle, mom is leaving. And I got up and went and called Michael and he came over to the house and I spoke to my wife and I said, honey, don't you leave. Don't you leave just yet. Because Mike is coming. And he did something that I didn't realize he would do. He said, mom, it's okay. It's all right for you to turn loose now. You've done your job. It's been incredible. It's been wonderful. And now we want you to go meet Jesus. Mm. Wow. And 15 minutes later, she was gone. That is such a moving and a beautiful story all wrapped together. And one of the things that strikes me, Richard, is um, how you lived out the reality of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. It's easy for us to talk about as Christians to have unconditional love because we say, well, God has unconditional love for us. We're to love the same way. But once that's put to the test, you really get to find out whether or not you are willing to go the distance. And with your wife being really handicapped as she was in those later years, she really didn't have anything that she was able to give back to you. 
But that didn't matter because your love was unconditional. You just kept giving. And I think about what Jesus told husbands, you were to love our wives like Christ loved the church and give your life for her. You literally put your life on hold and gave it up for your wife. And I, I, that's such a beautiful testimony and a challenge to all of us to love unconditionally. And when you and Richard meet and have lunch, he always uh, reminds you of that too. <laughs> yeah, how to love Wendy unconditionally. That's exactly right. Thanks a lot, Richard. The fact is, my friend, that uh, uh, it's been a joy for me. Listen, I, I don't want people to think that it was an easy task. I haven't talked about it in a long while. That's the reason I become emotional about it. It's okay. Because uh, I didn't lose my faith. I just didn't see faith working in my life. But this was another breakthrough that I had. But I was going to say, Richard, because you 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 operated for years and years in the realm of faith. You saw God do miracles. You felt yeah. his presence anoint you in ways that humanly you couldn't have done. You knew the power of God and you knew the ways in which God would activate your faith. So I'm I'm supposing that in the very beginning, you were praying in faith that God would heal her with the expectation that God would heal her, but he didn't. What? How did I, you get through that? I lived right to the last moment, believing God for her release mm -hmm. from what she was dealing with, mm -hmm. for her benefit and for my benefit. But even though I, I came to the place where I said, Lord, because see, I began to condemn myself. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with my faith? But the Lord spoke to me and said, and this is my breakthrough and said, you've had faith for a lot of people, but now I want you to trust me. And I, lev I never lost my trust. And mm -hmm. to this moment, I trust God, even when I recognize how desperately, what a tremendous blessing she was to me. I trust God that he knew what he was doing. And there are times that I thank God that he took her home yeah. because she was in perfect health. Otherwise, she would have lived to be 105 because she was taking no medication nothing wrong with her at all. I would have still been taking care of her, but the Lord said, trust me and I'll take care of everything. Mm. And boy, I wish yeah. I had another hour to talk to uh, I do too. If the Lord has taught me anything, he's taught me, you've got to tell people to depend upon the leadership, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and you need to walk and obedience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The thing right. that, that rings out for me too, I love that is uh, because people do feel like, uh, what's wrong with me? I don't have enough faith. Mm -hmm. They start condemning themselves. And you mentioned something. And you knew that me. about your mom's story too, about that part. So, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway. You, you mentioned to me the other day. I mean, it's, it's the difference between having faith in your faith or having faith in the God who can be trusted. And I, I, I just love the way you live that out because it's a great example. Yes. You know, I uh, I read the Bible, and a lot of times I look for examples that I can use for me. Mm. But the Bible is not all about me. It's all about him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's good. Okay. That is, that's it. So if we put him first and learn how to function, boy, I wish we had time to talk about the Holy Spirit. And, I'm, and we're way beyond our time. And I apologize in advance. Yeah. But we need to learn how to rely and depend upon the Holy Spirit, mm. begin to plead the blood of Jesus. I pray for my children every day. That's the legacy that mom has left me. Mm. And I tell them, I not only pray for my children, I pray for my grandchildren. Yeah. I have a little saying that I 
say to my all of my grandchildren, but especially Bella, the beautiful little girl that is uh, my only girl grandchild. Daughter, yeah. yeah. And I, I say, uh, I say to her, I love you, and and then I walk away. Yeah, you're going to pray for me every day. <laughs> she <laughs> That's knows. Great. That's great. And they all know. Michael knows that I pray for them. I pray for all of the family one by one, not just once a day, several times a day. Mm-hmm. And another thing that we need to insert here, I plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. Mm-hmm. I speak the word over their lives. I ask the Holy Spirit to anoint them in everything they do. And then I, I, God helped them to recognize that are, there are angels that are guarding and angels are with them and angels that go before them. Yes. And that's enough to keep anybody. If uh. you just pray that prayer in victory, in yeah. faith, in trust, hmm. everything will fall in line and you'll be able to handle any crisis you may have in life. That's it. it. Well, you have been such a blessing in our life, Richard. You have counseled us. You have prayed with us, prayed for us. Mm -hmm. And um, you're just such a blessing, like I said, to us, but for so many people. And we're just honored to be your your dear friend. And and we just can't wait to see you again. But thank you for sharing just a, a bits and pieces of your testimony. I know we could have multiple movies. I feel, of your I feel life, like we need a sequel to the podcast. We might, we uh, might. Part two. Yeah. But thank you for sharing because yeah. your, your uh, level of faith and, yeah. and your obedience is really speaking to someone today that might be in a si- similar situation or, or kind of wrestling with a tough situation. And I know that your words can give them mm-hmm. hope. So thank you for your breakthrough story. God bless yeah. you. So many people are hurting. But I, I pray that God will use what we've talked about. Well, let's pray right now. I know you want yeah. to end in prayer. Let's pray. Uh, it would be my honor. Let's pray. pray. Father, thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because the people that are listening under the sound of my voice, that are viewing this entire podcast, have been reached by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I ask you to do your office work in the lives of the countless thousands of people that may tune in to what we've discussed. And will you perform a miracle and will you establish trust in their lives as you've done for me, for Todd, for Wendy? I pray this in the powerful and the strong name of Jesus Christ. And for the glory of God, we ask it. Hmm. Amen. 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 And hallelujah. Amen. All <laughs> right. Thank you. Bless you. Love and you. we'll talk to you soon. Love you so Love much. Love you guys. God bless right. you. God bless you. Take care. Wow. You know, honestly, this has been an incredible uh, show. They're always so incredible, but I mean, I just love Richard so much. Well, he has a, he has a depth that you can feel, you can sense, and Mm -hmm. it's because he's learned to walk with the Lord and he's been in the trenches. He continues to put God first. He continues to trust. And I think for me personally, what I'm grabbing from this really two things is this this unconditional love, the reality of how powerful unconditional love, when you love somebody who cannot love you back, 
Uh, and somebody in your life right now is needing that love. It's God's love flowing through you. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, look, to, just don't get down on yourself when you think your faith is not enough. You end up putting your faith in your faith, you're going to get nowhere. But you've put your faith in the God who is trustworthy. Yeah. And then the outcome is going to be according to his plan. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go and check out Richard and learn more, go to reality21.org. That's his website. And there's more about him there. But uh, God bless you all. Thank you for tuning yeah. in. And uh, we will catch you next time on Your Biggest Breakthrough. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.